Hey, welcome to week number two of our summer series that we're calling Summer Mixtape. And uh, these are kind of standalone messages just uh, uh, really that are going to focus our attention during the summer, how we can continue to grow so that at the end of this summer, we're actually closer to Jesus Christ uh, than we actually uh, are at this time. Last week, we talked about follow the leader. And today, I was kind of thinking about... uh, you know, uh, maybe a topic that really had a really good summer vibe. So I thought about maybe doing a message about Peter, you know, walking on water there on the beach. You know, he sees Jesus and he jumps over the side of the boat and he walks on water. But uh, actually in my own personal devotion in all this week, I've been reading through the book of Genesis and uh, a lot of, there's just kind of crazy, crazy stories in there uh, happening all over the place and If you haven't read it recently, I encourage you to do that. One that really jumped out at me uh, was a story about Jacob and and really focused my attention on what I want to share today. And I want to talk, instead about walking on water necessarily, I want to talk about walking wounded. Walking wounded. Because it's a big part. It's it's hard to live this life on this planet and there's not some, some real wounds that happen. And we need to learn how to really walk wounded. So let me give you a little bit of background. Thanks for joining us on our online campus. And you can stay up to speed week in and week out, even if you're away because of our online campus. And we're so glad that you joined us today. Let me give you a little bit of background in the life of Jacob, where we're going to jump in on the story. Uh, Jacob was a, he was a real uh, con man. He was a conniver. He fooled his brother Esau, the twin brother, out of his birthright uh, for a bowl of soup, really gave it up. And then he went into his father when it was time for the blessing, uh, and, and he put goat hair on his arms because I guess he was very smooth on his arms, and Esau was very hairy, which, by the way, how hairy was Esau? He put goat skin, Jacob did, on his arms, and it fooled their father. Uh, the father kind of, well, something going on with the voice, but, but goat skin, yeah, that's how hairy Esau's arms are. Kind of disturbing to think about. But anyway, uh, he got the blessing, and, uh, and even though Esau had actually said you have a right to it over this bowl of soup because he was so hungry, uh, Esau was so upset that he wanted to kill him. And so Jacob actually escapes in fear of his life uh, ends up running into uh, another household far away, Laban. Mary, Laban pulls a switch on him, switcheroo, in terms of the daughter that uh, Jacob wanted to marry. He wanted to marry Rachel, and Laban, the father, switches with Leah, the oldest, uh, and then he ends up marrying Rachel as well uh, a week later. So, and God blessed him while he was there, and he, he, he knows that it's time for him to return back to his family, and he doesn't know what it's going to be like. The years and years have gone by. He thinks Esau still wants to kill him. And so he's on the way with his two wives, with all his possessions, back to his home. And that's where we're going to pick up the story as we kind of focus in on this idea today about walking wounded. It's in Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. It says, During the night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives and his two servants and two servant wives and his 11 sons and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. goes on and it says, Then uh, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. 
Now, it's really important that we understand he, he's all by himself, literally, here. And, and the reality is, you know, so many times you and I, we don't like to be alone. We don't like to be on our own, all by ourselves. But the reality is that God does some of his best work when you're alone, when there's nobody else around, when there's no crowd, there's no distractions. You're all by yourself. In fact, God shows up in the darkest of times. And that's exactly what's going to happen here for Jacob. And so he was all alone in the camp. And watch this. A man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, most scholars believe, I believe as well, that this is actually what's called, referred to as a Christophany. This is Jesus Christ. This is a pre-incarnate appearance. You know, Jesus was born of the Virgin, but he's always existed. He was born of the Virgin Mary when he came to live on planet Earth for 33 or so years. But, but he was always Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-eternal, co-equal, co-existent. This is Jesus, the angel of the Lord, literally. And so this man shows up, man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And I'll show you why in just a minute. It's most scholars believe it was Jesus. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, so this, this man, this angel, appears and is wrestling with Jacob, and Jacob's beating him. I, I mean, he, he not only, you know, con artist, you know, getting the better hand of, of all these dealings and stuff, now it seems like he's got some strength as well, and he's literally can't be pinned. And he's beating this man. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And, and so they're doing this all night long, and he touches, he just goes like that, and all of a sudden, boom, his, literally his hip comes out of socket. I can't even imagine how painful that is. Story goes on and says, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he's holding them on, on to the guy. He's holding on to this angel. And he's not going to let him go. This is a strong man, Jacob was. Incredibly strong man. And so he goes, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And he says, uh, what's your name? And the, the man asked. And he said, Jacob. Now, Jacob, the word, the name Jacob means deceiver. It means swindler. It means con artist. It's really what his character was. And, and so that was his name was his character and so he says what is your name the man asks he says jacob and he says your name will no longer be jacob you're no longer to be a con artist you're no longer going to be a deceitful person the man told him it goes on and says your name will no longer be jacob uh, from now on you will be called israel that israel means like crown prince it means prince and, and this is where the the name of the nation literally came from Israel, this angel that renames him. Angel of the Lord, because you have fought with God and with man and have won. What an incredible statement there. He said, you fought with man and you've won, and there it is, you fought with God. Big glimpse of like who this man is. It's Jesus, and you've won. Even a wrestling match with Jesus. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. And he replies, why do you want to know my name? The man replied, goes on. Then he blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face. This is Jesus, he was wrestling. He said, I've seen, not an angel, I've seen God face to face. 
yet my life has been spared. And the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. You know, again, just thinking about the kind of a contrast here. Peter walking on water. Uh, you know, the reality is there, walking on water uh, is easier than walking wounded. It's easier to walk on water than it is to walk wounded, like Jacob had to walk wounded for the rest of his life. This is a guy who fought, who fought God, fought man, and he won. He won all the time. And now he's walking wounded for the rest of his life. It's harder to walk wounded than it is to walk on water. And here's the reason why. Walking on water, it, 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 it takes God. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. You cannot walk on water without God. But walking wounded is all my responsibility and your responsibility to walk wounded. Peter wasn't just walking on water, you know. That's what I was thinking about that, that story. I could really preach that. He was walking on the Word, he was standing on the Word. He saw Jesus out there, and he was standing on the Word. And he could focus on Jesus. He, he wasn't only walking on the Word. He was walking with the Word. The Bible says, Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so it's easier, actually, to walk on water than it is to walk wounded. Because think about it. Peter, he, he, he had something to focus on. He knew Jesus is out there. He saw Jesus, what Jesus was doing, and he's like, Hey, if that's you, call me and I'll come. And, and so he said, come. And he throws his leg over and he begins to walk on water. He, he kept his eyes on Jesus and he was walking on water. He, Jesus can do it, I can do it. He can give me the power and the strength to do it. But that's not the case with Jacob. The angel disappears. The man disappears and left Jacob all alone. All by himself. And we would say, in worse condition than he was even before the guy came. Sure, he got a new name, but now, now he's, he's also got a new wound that's going to affect him the rest of his life. And he doesn't know what to do. He, he doesn't know, well, it might not be a long time anyway because he's about to meet his twin brother Esau who wanted to kill him before. Maybe Esau is going to kill him now. He, he, he'd, he'd fought with this guy and he'd won and now he's not even at maximum strength to face his brother. He's in a weaker condition now than he's ever been to face his brother. Jacob's going back home to his family and his brother who wants to kill him with a weak and a wounded walk. This is the guy who fought God and won and now he's facing his brother in a weakened condition. See, we all have wounds, don't we? I, I've got wounds. You, you can't live this life without having wounds. A and the reality is, some wounds don't necessarily even heal. Let me say that again. Some wounds don't heal. Jacob's wound never healed. He walked with a limp for the rest of his life. There's all different kinds of, uh, of wounds that we have. Some of us have <coughs> self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wounds. Every one of us, I don't care who it is, every one of us have things we've done in our life that we regret. 
We, 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 every one of us done big pieces of stupid that, that after it was over, we were like, what was I thinking? And the reality was we weren't thinking. And, and we have self-inflicted wounds. And the thing about self-inflicted wounds, these are things we've done to ourselves, decisions that we personally have made. And the sad thing is, not only has it hurt us and inflicted our soul with wounds, it's hurt those around us as well. Those who are closest to us have been hurt. And some wounds, you know, we, happened so long ago, but we still carry the shame of those wounds. Self-inflicted wounds, things that we did, things we were embarrassed of, things that we, we allowed ourselves and we made decisions and it humiliated us. And we're carrying and we're walking with those wounds. We still have those wounds today. That's only one kind of wound. Some are self-inflicted, but others are them-inflicted. Them-inflicted wounds. What they said. What they did. When they weren't there when I needed them to be there. I gave my heart to that person, and they left me for somebody else. Them inflicted wounds. You did nothing wrong. Someone else did something wrong. And you're suffering the pain because of it. You, you, your heart was broken because of it. And, and there's a wound still. And, and it may have been recent, or it may have been years ago. And there's still a wound from what they did. Self-inflicted wounds, them-inflicted wounds. And then there's also just uh, life-inflicted wounds. <laughs> Life, life is just hard, and you can't live, you can't go through this life on this planet unscathed. It's just impossible. Life inflicted wounds. That, that, I'm talking about the doctor's diagnosis. You didn't do anything wrong. No one did anything wrong to you, but there's that diagnosis. The C word. The miscarriage. The family member that you loved, that you cared for, that passed away. The infertility. The cultural wounds. The racial wounds, life inflicted, it's just hard living on this planet. And it wounds us. And it hurts us. I think we have to understand as we talk about these wounds that every one of us experiences in our life. The enemy wants nothing more than to keep us paralyzed by our wounds. He, he, he wanted, the enemy wanted nothing more than to, you know, let Jacob just stay put. Because he knew what was about to happen. And, and like, the, just, Jacob, don't, don't worry about Esau. You know, bad idea. Just, just why don't you just, where you're camping right now, just, just make that your home. Just stay right there. Don't, don't walk. Just stay put. Stay stationary. You know, even as we learned last week, as we talked about follow the leader, what do, what do followers do? Followers move forward. In this life, we've always got to move forward. We don't hold our position and we don't shrink back. That's not what a follower of Jesus does. But our enemy wants nothing more than to keep us paralyzed, keep us right in the place of our hurt and of our pain so that we don't move forward. And we've got to learn how to walk wounded. Because if you don't learn how to walk wounded, if I don't learn how to walk wounded in this life, I'm never going to fulfill God's plan and purpose for my life. And you won't either. That's why this is so important. We're, we're going to have to walk wounded through this summer to be closer to Jesus at the end of this summer than we are right now. It, it, some wounds are not going to get all healed up automatically, and some may never. But we've got to learn how to move forward because that's what Christ followers do. They follow the leader. They, 
they move forward and they walk wounded. So here's my big question as I read this story about Jacob, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you got the answer. I, I just found myself thinking about this. Why did the wound not heal after Jacob was blessed? This was, this was Jesus. This was God himself, and he goes, he, he touches his hip, he wounds him, and then he goes, I'm not letting you go. Even with a, with a busted, out-of-joint, dislocated hip, he's still hanging on to Jesus, and Jesus can't overpower him. It's a crazy story. And he goes, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And so he blesses him. He changes his name. He changes his identity. He even changes his character by changing his name. No longer you're going to be a deceiver. Now you're the prince. Now you're the king prince. You're the, you're, you're the, 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 the heir. But he doesn't heal his wound. And he still walks for the rest of his life. Wounded. Why did the wound not heal after Jacob was blessed? I, I, I thought when you're blessed, everything disappear, disappears, all the difficulties in your life. I thought that's what it meant to be blessed. I, I, I thought that I don't, I don't have a struggle in my marriage anymore when I'm blessed. I, I thought that financially I'll never have pressure again if I'm really blessed. I thought everything just I touch turns to gold. That's what the blessed life is. No, that's not what the Bible says. Some wounds carry on even when you're blessed. Even when God touches you and he puts his hand on you and he changes your identity, you still have to walk wounded. See, blessed doesn't mean perfect. That's, we have the wrong idea of blessing. I, I thought blessed means I never have a problem. I never have a struggle. There's never any stress or pressure. That's not what the blessed life is. Sometimes when you get a new name, you get a new limitation. Sometimes when you get a new identity and you're blessed, you have to learn how to walk wounded from that day forward. A lot of us are waiting for everything difficult to go away before we realize how blessed we really are. And we are missing out on an awful lot. But if you want to get to the restoration like Jacob did with Esau, sometimes you've got to learn how to walk wounded. If you want to experience everything God has for you, you can't get stuck in the pain you got to move forward and progress and learn how to walk wounded. See, you have to learn how to walk wounded because your blessing is on the other side. And for Jacob, for Israel, his blessing was on the other side and he couldn't stay where he was. The enemy wants you to stay where you are. Stay put. Isolate yourself cut yourself off, don't trust again, don't love again, don't extend yourself again. But you have to learn how to walk wounded because your blessing is on the other side. And you know, Jacob's not the only example of this in the Bible. There, there are other examples of people as well that, that had to walk through difficulty and the difficulty did not leave. God did not deliver them from the difficulty. They had to keep on walking forward. Fast forward to the New Testament. Uh, there's another guy who got a, a new name and a new limitation. There was a guy named Saul. He was a persecutor of the church. 
He thought he was doing the right thing. And, and he was chasing after Christians, putting them in, into jail. Some of them were actually even killed as a result of their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's going uh, on the road one day, and, and Jesus strikes him down off the horse, causing him to be blind. And he says, who are you, Lord? He calls out, and he goes, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. And he changed his name, Jesus did, from Saul to Paul. Gave him a new identity. And also, once again, gave him a new limitation. And, 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 G, and Paul even talked about this limitation. It's called the thorn in the flesh. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 10. In the message translation it says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, that, that God changed his identity, changed his name, and he ends up writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit two-thirds of the New Testament that you and I have today. Saul, who was, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, who was Saul. And God used him more, I mean, next to Jesus himself, no one has made a bigger impact on human history than the Apostle Paul. And, and this is what he says. Listen, he, he's given a little biographical sketch of himself. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, the, the supernatural revelation that God just dumped in his mind and had him experience, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Did you hear that? Paul's perspective on his handicap, it was a gift from God. Jacob recognized, he, he, he was walking with, he was like, this is a gift. This is a gift right here. Major, major reframing, as we've talked about in times past. That's exactly what Paul's doing again here. I was given this gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. See, instead of Paul getting blown up and arrogant and pompous and I'm all that and a bag of chips, I'm God's mighty man of faith and power for the hour, what did this happen? This, this handicap that came upon him that, that God allowed to come, that, that again, Satan wanted to knock him out to, to quit, to get on the sideline. Instead, what did it do? It pushed him down on his knees, leaning in, giving his weakness to God, and he began to be even stronger because of it. It in fact did, it pushed me to my knees. And he goes on and says, No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift. And I begged God to remove it. Three times he begged God. Three times I did that. And then he told me, My grace is enough. Paul, you're better with the handicap leaning on my strength than without it walking in your own strength. Wow. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. And Paul continues to talk about it. And he says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began to appreciate, began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my own weakness. And he continues to talk about it. And he says, now I take, limitations, my, I take limitations in stride. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. He says, in essence, I've learned 
to walk wounded. I, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger that I become. There's something powerful about your wounds. In, in the right hands, those wounds can actually work God's purpose in our lives. See, wounds don't make you weak, they make you a warrior. Wounds don't make you weak, they make you a warrior. Jacob's wounds didn't make him weak. It was a sign that he had wrestled with God and man and one. It was his trophy. It was his trophy. I, I remember uh, when Susie and I started dating, uh, first time we went down to meet uh, her parents, and uh, at one point, I forgot what happened. She, uh, my mother, now mother-in-law, dropped us off at the mall or something like that. We were sharing the car on a spring break. And uh, as we walked back, she picked us up and uh, she said, Greg, you have something on your cheek. And it was some lipstick uh, <laughs> on my cheek. And I was like, oh, man, I, you know, I'm sorry about that, you know. And, and she said, well, don't wipe it off. This is my mother-in-law, Rita. Uh, she said, don't wipe it off. She goes, that's a trophy. Very different perspective. Different perspective. So many times, you know, we look at our wounds, we're like, oh, get rid of that, hide that, cover it up. I hope nobody sees what that is. But Paul had a very different perspective. Jacob had a very different perspective. This was his trophy. His limp was his trophy. He'd fought with man. He'd fought with God. And he won. See, wounds don't make you weak. They show you've been in the battle. That, that shows that you haven't been sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Just a, a critic on the couch. Wounds don't make you weak. They make you a warrior. When, when the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper, it doesn't mean you're not going to get hit. You're going to get hit. That's why we need the armor of God. And you know what? There may be some wounds. But what does that mean? I was in the battle. I, I was fighting. You know, I, one of my, <laughs> I, I was fighting. I was in the battle. I was fighting. And you know what? I'm still standing. Well, one of my favorite quotes is this. Sit with the warriors. The conversation's different. I, I don't know about you, but man, in this life, I, I want some people around me that have been through some stuff and Jesus has led them through to the other side. Those are the folks I like to be around. I, I don't like to sit with the people that have had just a soft, easy go of it, no real hardship, no real difficulties in their lives. They're, they're, they're not warriors, they're spectators. I, I, I don't like hanging out with spectators. I, I want to hang out with the people that have been in the battle because I can learn some stuff. You can learn some stuff as you listen to them because the wounds don't make you weak. They, they really make you a weapon in the hands of God. I remember when I was playing high school football, I was an option quarterback, and uh, what that basically means, if you don't know a lot about different offensive uh, schemes and systems, that, that meant that I got hit on every single play. I ran the ball a lot, and I also threw, uh, actually ran the ball more than I even threw in, a, in any given game, and, and I would get pounded, and if I did my job right, I would actually run right at the defensive player as he's trying to tackle me, and at the last minute, I would pitch the ball, and there was another one of our players right there, and then he'd run it the rest of the way. I'd pitch it this way, and he'd run it the other way, and I got hit every single time. 
And man, I, I used to just have to like get so prepared for the pounding week after week. And at John Jay pregame, I would just go into the gym, uh, you know, off the locker room with all the lights off, just some sunlight, and I just lay at center court, and I would just envision myself just getting pounded play after play after play. I had to mentally and like emotionally get prepared to win, get prepared to play because of the pounding I would take. And there are times I'd get hit, man, I just didn't want to get up again. And I'm just laying on the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe just, just stay down here, Williamson. Don't get up. And my head coach had a, had a nickname for me. He called me Timex. Some of you remember those Timex commercials. They do all kinds of things with Timex watches. And they crush them. And they have an elephant step on them. And underwater and explosions, all this stuff. And then the guy would pick up the Timex watch. He'd go, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. And there'd been times I'd be laying on the ground like, oh, this is only the third quarter, man. I, I've had it. And I'd hear my coach saying, Timex! Get up, Timex! Get up, Timex! And I'd stumble to my feet again, go back in the huddle, call the next play, get hit again. You know what? That's one of my favorite names I've ever been called in my life, Timex. Because it did something on the football field to shape my character. That, that, you know, Greg Williamson, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm going to keep going. I, I'm going to take a licking and keep on ticking. You, you know why so many pastors in 31 years, and Susie and I are looking at probably like a, another 15 years or more leading this church? You know why so many pastors just check out? Because they don't learn how to walk wounded. I've never been more, the most wounds I've ever had in my life have been through Christians. Been through people in our church. You gotta learn how to walk wounded because wounds don't make you weak, they make you a warrior. It shows that you persevere, that you keep on going. And I just think more of us as Christians, we kind of need that Timex anointing. Instead of when it gets tough, I'll just, just throw in the towel, I'm just gonna find green your pastures i'm just gonna find a new spouse because this is difficult i i'm just gonna you know whatever time it keep takes a licking keeps on ticking every great leader every great pastor every great business leader every great person who ever accomplishes something in this life has to master the art of walking wounded You'll never be successful in this life until you master the art of walking wounded. I, I know it's in vogue right now in our culture that everyone's just so thin-skinned, so easily offended, and that's why there's very little progress that's being made anywhere. It's those that learn how to walk wounded. Th those that learn how to take a licking and keep on ticking. They're the ones that succeed. They're the ones that overcome. They're the ones that make a difference, especially in this world for Jesus Christ's sake. We gotta learn how to walk wounded. And, and listen, if you blow it, don't, don't walk away from Jesus. Walk wounded to Jesus. When, when, you, when you've fallen and you've failed, don't, don't check out, don't, don't, don't let the wound, maybe it's a self-inflicted wound. Don't let the self-inflicted wound keep you from church. Walk wounded to church. It's where you need to be. We need to be with the people of God. 
we need to walk to Jesus. Because there was someone else. It wasn't just Jacob. It wasn't just Paul. There was someone else who learned how to walk wounded. And that was Jesus. He got a new body, not a new identity. After the resurrection, after the the crown of thorns, after his beard being pulled out, after his back just being mutilated, after the nails through his hands and the nails through his feet, and after the spear in his side, three days later, because he went through all of that for you and for me, and he took your sin, and he took my sin upon himself. He was sinless throughout his whole entire life. But he laid his life down for you, and he laid his life down for me. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and it's so interesting that those who saw him, and there were hundreds that saw him resurrected, eyewitnesses. There were no scars of the crown of thorns. The beard was back. The back was fine. Nothing said about holes in his feet. But look at what it says in John chapter 20 when he appeared to the disciples. It says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. You would think, I mean, if it was me, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed. I mean, when he needed me the most, I just checked out. I turned my back. If I'm Peter, I denied him three times and I even knew him. But instead, they were filled with joy when they saw his wounds. When, when, when we recognize our wounds, maybe they're self-inflicted. Maybe they're them inflicted. Or, or maybe it's just, you know, just, just life inflicted. What do we need to do? We need to go to the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. God gave him a new body, but he still had the wounds in his hands. And he still had the wounds in his side. Why? I, I think it was to show, I did it for you. I did it for you. It, it was real what happened. Jesus knows what it feels like to be wounded. And he bore those wounds for you. And he bore those wounds for me. That's why you and I also have to learn how to walk wounded. Jesus walked wounded. You and I have to learn how to walk wounded and keep on following Jesus. And we'll fulfill God's plan for our life. And we'll fulfill God's plan for our our marriages. And we'll fulfill God's plan for our families. And we'll fulfill God's plan for this church family when each of us learns to walk wounded. That, that really, the wounds, when we see them, they'll fill us with joy because God's doing something and we're leaning on him. And in my weakness, he's made strong. There's something powerful about your wounds. In the right hands, your wounds become a weapon Psalm 34, verse 19 puts it this way. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the wounds of the righteous. Can't go through this life unscathed. If you're following close to Jesus, there's gonna be even greater wounds. Many are the wounds of the righteous. But let me leave you with this. Do you know what a pearl is? My wife Susie loves pearls pearls she always looks fantastic in pearls when we went to hawaii pearl harbor i got her a pearl ring that she actually was able to pick the pearl pick the oyster 
and they, they got the pearl out of it and put it into a setting, a pearl ring. A pearl that's so valuable is the product of suffering and pain. It's the, it's the product of irritation in an oyster over time, and it creates, to cover that irritation, to cover that suffering, to cover that, that pain, it creates a pearl. Jesus even told a parable of the pearl of great price. And you know what? That, that pearl that was worth inestimable value, what does that really mean? This big, huge pearl it means big, huge hurt, big, huge affliction, big, huge irritation. But it's worth it because it produces a pearl. Maybe instead of just sitting on the sideline and just focusing on our suffering, maybe this summer Jesus wants you and I to learn how to walk wounded. And instead, see, I got this because I'm a warrior. And I'm, I'm stronger in my weakness because God's given me the strength to move forward and to fulfill the destiny he created me for. To fulfill the destiny that he created you for. Right now, if you've never done it before, uh, I'm going to pray in just a minute. and I want to give you an opportunity to put your wounded life in the wounded hands of Jesus and watch what he makes out of it. Because you can take joy in those wounds of Jesus too just like the disciples did, just like millions and billions of people have over the years around the world, recognize he was wounded for you and he rose again so that you could be forgiven of your sins and come into a relationship with him. He wants to make it a pearl in your life, even the self-inflicted wounds that perhaps you've suffered. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the perspective that your word gives to us. Lord, help us to, help us, Lord, to embrace walking wounded. Lord, help us to recognize that struggle's a part of living, and when we know that it's producing something good, we can move forward, and we can trust you, and in our weakness, your strength is going to get us through. And Father, we lean into you in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the wound of Jacob and what it shows us. Thank you for the handicap of Paul and what it shows us. Thank you for the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and his side and what it shows us. And may we, as we continue to follow Jesus, May we learn how to walk wounded as well. And right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never prayed and just, just really surrendered your life, put your wounded life in the wounded hands of Jesus. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can repeat after me and place your faith and your life in Jesus' hands. Just repeat after me right now. Say, Heavenly Father,
Forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit, and I will follow you. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your nail-scarred hands that rose for me. And I will follow you from this day forward. Amen.